Hello, and welcome to the Digital Workspace Works podcast. I'm Ryan Purvis, your host, supported by our producer Heather Bicknell. In this series, you'll hear stories and opinions from experts in the field, stories from the front lines, the problems they face and how they solve them, the areas they're focused on from technology, people and processes, to the approaches they took that will help you to get to the scripts for the digital workspace inner workings. Hey Ryan, good. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Thanks, not too bad. I'm, I'm just a bit drenched. I went for a walk and uh, to get something from the shops, and as I came back, there was a lovely cloud burst that has soaked me. We've, we've been having the weirdest weather, and, and weird not in a bad way. Uh, weird in a really good way. I mean, October here, in where I live at least, in the south of of England, has been fairly warm. Um, I don't know what the Fahrenheit would be. Uh, but we're talking sort of 18 degrees, which here is warm. You, know, you can walk around in t-shirts, shorts, and you know, not much. We've had a bit of rain, but not a lot. So it's it's been really pleasant. That's nice. Yeah, it's been um, up and down here. It's already started to snow in some parts of the state. So uh. I'm not lo- <laughs> I'm not looking forward to the long winter. Um, we'll have some nice days still. No, no, we're not looking forward to the long winter either. Um, you know, this this time last year we were in uh, in South Africa still, and uh, I'm getting all my pictures showing up, reminding me of what we were doing, <laughs> which is not always uh, not always the best thing to be seeing. And that's that. Sometimes you think the technology, you know, could could be a little bit more um, sensitive to your situation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it has no like it has no emotional sensitivity. It's like No, no, no. Do you want to see this? I've created this photo album of like a pet who passed away. Like it'll, you know. With great with, with positive music, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cute little animation music, yeah. Yeah, I'll celebrate this time. So Well, I'm not entirely caught up with everything you sent, but I did listen to the episode about scamming work from home jobs and also working from the pub. So if either of those appeal to you to discuss, we can start there. Yeah. So, so I think that, yeah, I, I mean, there's a, there's a couple of interesting ones. So the, the scamming for the jobs thing really fascinated me. And, and I don't know what everyone else's strategy is with this, but, you know, I always keep an eye out what's going on in the job market, what roles are coming up. You know, if there's something really good, I always apply for it. You know, regardless of, about how happy I am in a job, um, you know, I don't think there's any harm in applying, and I don't think there's any harm in exploring an opportunity, just in case, or you know, you never know. And there's a couple jobs when I see them, I know they're fake. Like, like the they either put a really big number on, like, like earn four hundred thousand dollars a year or something like that. And then you sign up for it and then you see that it's actually some sort of like networking sort of Amway uh, slash whatever where you go spend money with them to build your business through their brand. But there's no like, there's no revenue stream for you until, you know, you've done a certain amount of work and whatever. And it's like these, you see them, you see them a lot where they work from home and will pay you X number of dollars per hour to do these tasks. But meanwhile, you've got to spend like, you know, 12 times the amount of work just to get the the dollar 
that they promised. So, so it doesn't work out in that respect. So, so that that um, episode I sent you was someone that actually applied for a job. They, if I remember correctly, they were onboarded. They got a contract, the whole works. In fact, actually working for them for a few months, and they, and they just didn't get paid after a while. And then they found out afterwards that this person had been basically falsifying everything and getting these guys to do all this work for basically free so they could make the money. And then they did, then they became sick and disappeared, which which is quite scary that people you know, for three or four months were working for free, you know, and, and, and the cascading effects of that where, you know, the bills they have to pay aren't getting paid. I mean, all they think they get paid in a month's time, but they're not because the person's disappearing with the money and basically scamming them. Yeah, I think it's it's one of those things with fully remote jobs that you just have to do that little bit of extra due diligence, I guess, to make sure it's not like there's nothing fishy going on. I think it's unfortunate, but it's just easier for people, people to take advantage in that situation if there's no, you know, you'd find out pretty quickly if you went into an office or if there, you know, was an office to go into, whether or not it was a legit place, I think. Um, but when you're remote, it's kind of easier to, especially if you're new to remote work, you might not know what signs to look for necessarily. And that's, I think, what happened to um, the person uh, that podcast was about because she was coming from teaching, I believe. So it was her first remote role and she just didn't re- kind of see some of the signs. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think, you know, we all want to be, uh, what's the word, um, trusting that that the person you're talking to is is legitimate and, you know, going to treat you, you know, transparently honest with what they're saying. And, and yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a real smack in the face when you realize that, you know, this person is, is, is not legit. And there, and there are, there's another example I was thinking of while you were speaking, and I can't think of what it was now. I have another one um, that I okay, saw yeah. go, on, go around on LinkedIn um, a couple months ago. And the, these ones are kind of the, the most concerning to me are the ones that they're pretending to be legitimate companies. So this one in particular was they were pretending to be recruiters for Splunk. So there's kind of, and if you actually, you know, Google it, you'll find like articles about like people trying to scam like their Splunk recruiters. So these are like trends, but essentially really targeted phishing, like job job recruitment phishing to get mm. people, particularly, you know, young people, uh, maybe it's their first job out of college. They don't know what to expect from like a remote interview process. They might kind of sweep some odd things under the rug, particularly if it's, you know, ex- an, ex- an exciting no name to be working for like Splunk. So this this woman, the recruiters were, they had her interview via Skype, which is like red flag number one, what, you know, enterprise organization these days is using consumer Skype to do interviews. And then two, they weren't on camera with her for the interviews. They were, they weren't even on, on voice. They were typing in chat to do the interview. So but of course, she wanted the job so badly, she kind of, it took her longer to kind of realize that it wasn't legitimate. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think there was something similar to that where through the process, it was either this person or someone else, they, they, got the, they got the person to go and buy all their own hardware 
through a specific website. And then, you know, buy all this hardware, we will reimburse you. They buy, buy all this hardware, the hardware doesn't arrive, but they've spent the money because it's been a credit card transaction. And then, of course, they're gone. Um, now, if it's a credit card, fortunately, you know, there's some insurance on that. But if it's not a credit card, like a debit card, you've got no, no insurance for that transaction. And yeah, it's 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 probably happening very easily because of because of COVID and, and people getting into this remote working thing. They they've kind of reduced the um, or become more complacent. Reduced the I can't think of what the opposite of complacent is, um, and just take it as it comes and and, and accepted that well that's how it's going to be and you're almost going to be doubly certain that you're dealing with the real people. And and uh, second guessing a lot of things. Yeah, I mean, all scams are sad because they most often prey on people who are in more desperate situations, and that's where they kind of hook people. You know, if you're out on the job market for a while, if you're new out of college and you just need a job, you're more willing to kind of go along with things that um, sound too good to be true. So it's something to be aware of and watch out for, and make sure you know. The people in your life who are new to remote work or fresh out of college are aware that these kind of things can happen, even on websites like LinkedIn. You know, you think it's a professional network, but people scam there as well, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, I get, and I'm sure everyone else does, you get, you get like 100 messages a day, people trying to sell you something or say they were this in this organization. And, you know, one guy, actually, I remember this one. Because he, he said, oh, I'm from so-and-so organization. And, and I said, oh, I know those, those guys. Who are you working for? And he couldn't give me a name. He gave me a name of someone. I said, oh, I don't know. That guy doesn't work for them. And he said, I oh, know he does. He's been there for, for many years. Da, da, da. So I said, well, let me ask someone. So I phoned the person that I knew. I said, just check your gal and see if you know this person. And he, and he said, no, that person doesn't exist. And he sent me a screenshot. And I just sent the screenshot back. And um, then the guy said, oh, well, he, he must work for another division. And I was like, no, it's a small business, like 150 people. If he's not there, he's not there. Um, and the guy just he, he sort of stuck to his his story uh, as long as he could. Um, and then after a while, he just stopped responding to, to my messages. And, and in that respect, I try to keep them going as long as I can. Because if they're wasting time with me, then they're not wasting time with someone else. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's a dangerous world out there. Yeah, I just the sophisticated like the sophistication of different phishing schemes and scams, I think is only to get more personalized. And that's the scary thing, right? Is on LinkedIn they can do a bit of research about you. They can try to find, you know, they could use keywords, try to find what buttons to push, triggers to pull, um, mm. that might work for different people. So I think got to be vigilant when it comes to talking to strangers <laughs> no matter what the context yeah yeah exactly yeah i mean i i mean you know i i sort of younger generations are probably more prepared for this in that they will be growing up with it but if you think about the sort of older generation where you know this technology stuff is is too much for them in some respects and they're the easy praise. And if you listen to a lot of these, this 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 podcast, a lot of the the scam people are they're people in their seventies and eighties and nineties, where it's a little bit of hope or a little bit of something that they're looking for, and these guys just take them, you know, to the cleaners really. Yeah, yeah, it's very sad. Um, maybe we could talk about 
the the other topic for like a, oh, a bit of a mood so, booster? Oh, oh, oh yes, the work from pub. Um, yes. Yeah, so I thought this one was quite funny because, uh, and, and I say funny only because my wife and I were doing this you know, pretty much when we got back. So we used to do this. So, so the article was very much around forget working from home or working from a coffee shop, come work in the pub. And this was a way to generate traffic in the pubs. Um, and and the, the person who wrote the article was basically saying how, you know, she, she did this and, and the so-called benefits and, and all that kind of stuff. Now, my wife and I were doing this on a Friday anyway, because what we were finding is you, if you work from home the whole week, you know, by Thursday, you're sick and tired of being in the house. Even though we go to gym and, and all that kind of stuff and do the shopping and that, you still feel like you need to go somewhere else. So we were doing this not every Friday, but, but we go out like a, a late lunch, two o'clock-ish, have lunch, have our laptops, do our last calls. Um, but we'd be in a nice, more casual place. And then before we fetch the kid from school, in those days they were finishing school at five, half past five, we'd have a drink and then go fetch them. Uh, and it was a nice way to sort of end the week. But what the what this was saying is that this was a way for the pubs to try and stay afloat because they were struggling to get people to come and socialize as well because you're not going to go and have a drink at the pub if you're working from home because, you know, that's like leaving the house when you when you haven't been out the whole day and you've now got to do family stuff or whatever it is. So I just thought it was quite, quite funny in that respect. Yeah, I, I feel like, you know, my recent trip to Ireland and Northern Ireland gave me a view into like what, you know, European pubs are like, I just can't imagine working from a bar in the U.S. It's just not the same. It, it's almost more like, to me, it feels more like a hybrid, like coffee shop bar is kind of what a pub feels like to me. And that like you could hang out during the day and have like coffee, tea and a sandwich and then, you know, stay there. And then later in the day, have like a pint. But yeah, I thought the the specials were interesting. So pub owners trying to entice remote workers to come work there by offering some sort of deal um, that included a few, you know, beverages and meal items to package it together. Mm. Um, that seems smart to me. But but yeah, I mean, it's good to get a change of scenery. I just don't know. I feel like I can't relate like into what um, how how you would apply that here. Yeah, and I think that is, I mean, so, so pubs here really are two formats. There's okay, maybe three. One is a social club or working man's pub, uh, you know, as the slang goes, which which you pay like a really small amount a year, like 50 pounds, and you're a member, and then it's only it's a members-only club. Um, but in the end, it's a pub. Um, you then get the second type, which is the sort of traditional pub where you go in there for your drink at the end of the day, and it's not so much about the food it's about seeing the same regulars every week or every day and that sort of thing so like my, my cousin does that every thursday he goes out with his his people from his industry uh, and they meet at the same pub in the area and it's a good place to network and and you know moan about customers and clients and that kind of stuff and then you get the gastro pub and the gastro pub is really a restaurant with a pub um and the food will you know typically be quite good and it's and it's you know got a good layout and, and all that kind of stuff and that's something where you go for your roast on a Sunday. You go to the pub for a roast. You know, that's and that's something we you know we've enjoyed since we've moved back. You know, so you don't really do it in South Africa because South Africa you go and have a braai. And it's you know, there's always a you know, an activity we're doing outside as opposed to being stuck in a pub. The challenge with, with a lot of these places, whether it's a coffee shop or a restaurant, uh, or a or a gastro pub, is noise. 
And that's actually probably more of an issue than the issue of Wi-Fi, because that's the second issue. A lot of these places don't, and, and I, like I try to do calls from my gym, which is a golf club, and I can't do video, and I can't, you know, if there's too many people in the in the the area working, there's lots of people there with their laptops working. The the, the contention on the Wi-Fi is so high that you can't do anything. So so typically, if I'm going to personally go to a pub or a wherever to go to sit and work for a bit, and usually I'm drinking decaf coffee or alcohol-free beer, it's just to do some brain work where I'd like the noise, but I don't necessarily need the the other stuff. I don't know if that sort of matches up to what you experience in Ireland. Yeah, I think I think it does. I mean, yeah, we I don't know if we experienced all all types of pub just given the time we were there, but but yeah, it does. I I think just uh, in the U.S. we have more like maybe just more of the two kinds. Like, well, there's like not that this matters that much, but there's like dive bars, alley bars that are uh, that kind of style, and then um, bar restaurants that you know more like the Sunday dinner type thing and then just like bars for drinking. But I can't imagine, I mean, maybe some people do like setting up there to work remotely. I just feel like this, it would be like the staff would give you dirty looks kind of a thing. <laughs> like, what are you doing there? <laughs> well, yeah, maybe in the old days, but I think nowadays it's such a, when, when, lap, when laptops became entry level, and and Wi-Fi started to become more and more uh, prevalent. The right word. Well, anyway, more, there was more wifi, free Wi-Fi around. It became quite normal. And I used to spend. I mean, even when I was back in Varsity, we're talking what 20, 1999, when I started Varsity, I used to go and sit at the same coffee shop, which actually was a pub or a bar. Uh, it was called News Cafe. Um, so it was a restaurant, but at night time it would be you know a drinking hall. And I used to start my day there. You know, I'd study. I'd spend the whole day there, just be drinking coffee and studying, and have lunch. And I said, you know, people I knew would come by and meet me for lunch, and I'd be doing, you know, be going through whatever book I was or books I was going through. And I used to find it a hell of a productive. But I think, from a waiter's point of view, you're a terrible client because you're only going to buy X number of coffees and X number of X X food. And, then, and I mean, I did. There were days where I felt guilty, so I'd have like two lunches. Um, or I tip really big um, because I've taken over a corner, and then typically that pla- you know the, those places are not busy during the day. It's only at night time they really make their they get they get busy. Um, but yeah, those are those are things that that I think have become more normal now. Yeah, no, for sure, and I think that's where that like meal deal from the pub seemed nice because they're saying here's what we think mm. you should have to buy if you're here for a few hours, so you kind of. You don't have to have that anxiety of like, what's the right amount of drinks per, you know, for several hours or whatever to make make this work. So um, I'm not just taking up their space. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So I, I need to run. I've got a, a, another call that's just started. But yeah, it's good to catch up. Yeah, good stuff. So talk to you uh, next week. Sounds good. Okay. All right, cheers, Ed. Bye. Bye, Ryan. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Heather Bicknell is our producer and editor. Thank you, Heather, for your hard work on this episode. Please subscribe to the series and rate us on iTunes or the Google Play Store. Follow us on Twitter at the DWW Podcast. The show notes and transcripts will be available on the website, www.digitalworkspace.works. Please also visit our website, www.digitalworkspace.works, and subscribe to our newsletter. 
And lastly, if you found this episode useful, please share with your friends or colleagues.